Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, hey welcome to, uh, to Minnesota Man Dan. This is uh, Father Nathan here with uh, Father John Neppel, an original from hey, how, Minnesota. How are you there? We're oh, doing well. Oh, you know, things are uh, good here up in Alex, and uh, the ponds are frozen over now. So we're getting out there on the fishing. Well, some of us are trying to get our skates on, but others are just sitting by the hole. So, John, I had a great idea the other day. I was driving, and uh, I came up with an idea. And anytime I come up with an idea, I got to come up with a voice that matches the idea. So, anyways, uh, I met a couple who met on Tinder. You familiar with Tinder? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no Tinder. I don't not really familiar with this, but uh, they explained it to me, and I was like, "Wow, that's a beautiful gift." And I said to myself, "Well, well, you got Tinder, you know. I got a dog at home named Otis, and uh, Otis would sure like to have an app called Dander. <laughs> Dander is uh, an app where you put a picture of your dog, and uh, if your dog wants to hook up with another dog, then you just swipe right." You know, and I tell you what, his paws are sore because he was so excited when I showed him the Dander app. And, uh, you know, anytime it's totally different from what other people are doing on Tinder, because my dog, he's not even thinking, is this person cute? Are they a good mate? Are they going to take care of my pups? Are they totally crazy? Could they possibly have a disease that they picked up in a different kennel? But instead... They just come on and come on over and get in the kennel. And that's dander. I think it's a million-dollar idea, John. What do you think? I think it's quite an idea. This Literally. Is quite, quite I, an introduction to the This podcast. is Catholic stuff you should know. Just so you know, I came up with that whole bit driving to New Terrain Brewery, and I said I cannot wait to reveal this oh, voice on the God. podcast. But honestly, dander would be a great compliment to tinder no you were thinking that up when you were making that hot dish last night weren't you no i was driving to new terrain new i was train? driving to new terrain yeah. and i said to myself what is the deal with this tinder thing new train is that near new prague that's near that's near bolson uh down by the boat oh yeah well sure okay i think there are some people out there from mandan that wouldn't necessarily like that kind of accent no because mandan is North Dakota. North Dakota. And uh, Minnesotans have a different accent. They do. That was a bit of a blending. It even, was a, even some Canadian in there. That's right. You got it. You do Stan and Jackie. You do Stan and Jackie, and you got to make sure that you mix the dander with the tender, because I really think that's going to help. Part of the reason why is because uh, somebody told me that uh, they have punishments for fantasy football. Did you oh. come in last place? Yes. I came in last place too. No, who told us that? That was it was funny. Yeah. Like that, they were actually very funny punishments. Yes, and they said that their punishment is they have to go Oh, wasn't it Amon? Amon. It was Amon. So, uh Amon said that uh his buddy has to go to a, a comedy club and, and, and do, do a 10 a 10 minute routine. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, what would I do for a 10 minute routine?" And I was like, you got to come up with material. You can't just riff on and whatever. That's you came up with the, uh, and I came up with dander. Dander. That's impressive. You know, I was wondering because he was, he was burning some. Uh, you were burning. I just revealed there's three of us in this room right now. 
Dun, dun, dun. Yes, we have a secret, uh, secret guest. surprise guest. Well, um, you were burning through some. I'm not good at accents at all. Yes. Yeah. Olo. Random. Oh, my gosh. Dear California speaking accent. Of, speaking of Tinder. Hey, welcome back. Tell us about the traffic on the 405. I, I learned the other day that I actually live in, quote, the valley, end quote. Um, are you sure? You just missed some classic Father Michael Lachlan. You know, we were burning through some pretty good banter there the last half hour, and I was like, we're not going to have anything left. Little did we know you had dander lined up there. I had the dander just a classic, waiting. Classic Olaf line. Uh, I said, Has, have any of you seen The Hidden Life? This was recommended to me by Kate Spacia. And we're, we're not going to give my line. But and he good. goes, yeah, I'm going to go with my actor friends, actually, tomorrow night. We're like, oh, your actor friends, yeah. Right. We'll omit what Goebel then said. Right. You can imagine. Creatively. You know, yeah, the monkeys. But his yeah. actor friends are gonna go see Hidden Life. I went and saw uh, 1917. Yeah. Have you seen this yet? Yeah, amazing. you saw it. Amazing. My goodness, yeah, what a great film. It was actually great because I saw it with my guys, and I'm teaching anthropology, what? theological anthropology, really? and it was all about. We've been talking about how the modern project blew up. Modernity blew up in in World War One. Yes. So it was like the perfect kind of just conversation point to be like look at this is what happened in the world yes you know, so and this is this is the fallout of of our attempts at developing the perfect world and this is what men lived through and then imagine years after that in living memory to have another war of that same size yeah. i think was just terribly Decimated catastrophic it. well a third of the men in europe died in world war 1 <sighs> wow a third I mean, imagine that. Imagine if like 50 million men died in the United States. Unbelievable. So, yeah, that movie was, it was excellent. It was, some of our guys were like, not my guys at St. Joe's, but some of the what? D- dweeb seminarians were like, it was boring. Oh, it's boring. It was so boring. Yeah. Um, I love that line where he says. Um, yeah, you quoted it to us. Yeah. I'll, I'll find, well, you have No, no, no. It's uh, you uh, it, you down to Gehenna or up to the throne. He travels fastest. Who travels alone? That's true. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting. interesting. Anyways, we're here. It's Catholic stuff. It's a Thursday night. It's a dander. It's awesome. It's dander Thursday. Put your dogs up. Put your dog. <laughs> put your dog in. Hey, hey, puppy. Swipe left. <laughs> Give me a break. Good night. Anywho, um, have a great topic tonight. Oh man, we're not gonna do this voice the whole time. I'm sorry. I just got to shake it off. Um, so I've I, never seen this, by the way. I will give this person a shout out. But great. I'm just saying. We're going to talk about it. All right. We're gonna not, not, I mean, we'll talk about it in shout outs. Um, we're, so we're just going to talk about it. I had a lady come up to me, and uh, I think I shared this with you. I had a lady come up to me, and she says, do we really have to sh- sing everything at Mass? Oh, yes. I mean, everything. And I said, quote, well, there's a great book uh, called Only, Only the Lover, Lover Sings. Sings. And I think it's really bad to quote a book that you've never read. Mm, especially a short one. Especially a very short one and with very small print. Why are you looking at it? I just want to look at it. What, you want to look and make sure I read I it I just want to see the cover. Okay. It's only creased to ah. He crushed all the pages. Ooh, not a lot of writing in the last part. <laughs> well, I mean, that wasn't that. Wasn't that, that was the three... three uh, I'm just three, giving three you conversations around a sculptor's studio. I want to see what the German was. Yeah. Nede Leibdienstinkte. That's it. Holderlin, right? Um, mm. Is that who said it? 
No, that's Augustine. Cantare amantis est. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, cool. So I tried to quote to this lady uh, this book that I'd never read, Learning how to and see it didn't really, didn't really great. impress. Joseph Pieper is the author, by the way. We're looking at this book, talking about Joseph it. Joseph Pieper, excellent book. I've had this on my uh, queue for quite some time, and uh, I just said to myself, you know what, this week, I'm going to read it. And uh, I am on a tear. Brothers and sisters, do you realize if you go to bed on time and you don't drink alcohol before you go to bed, you usually wake up fairly, fairly early and are able to function quite easily. Married people figure this out when they have children. No, no, no. They're still drinking. They're still drinking. What was your, uh, your famous tweet from this week? Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I was this just happened. It wasn't even like something I thought of. I literally was hungry and I have a sweet tooth, so I went to my freezer and I forgot I bought ice cream sandwiches. How often do you forget you buy ice cream sandwiches? But I forgot I bought them, so I grabbed one. I sat down in my living room and I ate it, and it was amazing. And I was like, "Is there any reason why I can't just have a second one? There's no reason. There's, there's no, no reason. There's no reason why I can't have a so I walked in. I grabbed a second one. I sat there eating it. And I thought. If I was married, would I be eating a second one? Like in front of my wife, would I be doing that? And so I, I just wrote this tweet. I was like, you know, I just sat down and ate a second ice cream sandwich. And I did it because I have no wife to tell me not to. Hashtag vocations director. Hashtag. And that was the most popular tweet ever that I've ever said. How many? How many I think many the, married men would eat a second ice cream thing in front of their wife. How it, many? It re- is funny. How many retweets? Uh oh. So it. I mean, I'm I'm just a small fry in the Twitter world, of course, but I think it was like 45 retweets. Or there something you like go, like 40 or maybe 35 retweets, 45 comments, and like almost 750 likes. Can I just not that I count these? Can I just compare, all. like, for a second? How many uh, how many tweets retweets did Leah Darrow get when she like totally body slammed that that pagan chick? Oh yeah, Leah Darrow did a. Uh, Hashtag babies and dreams instead of hopes and dreams, babies and dreams. Yeah, it was uh, it was absurd. She jumped. I mean, yeah, I didn't it was, lo- I didn't look it up, but it was insane. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. She uh, pretty much. She has a lot more followers. Oh yes. Absolutely. I mean, once you guys do your third pilgrimage to wherever, yeah. like, and get your you know first tattoos. If if you want if you want to help me out on Twitter here, Listenerland. Yeah. It's at Padre Michael O is my. Wait, my when did you guy. start it? Oh, okay, a couple of years ago. He'll be leading that pilgrimage to the French Riviera with uh, Leah Darrow. <laughs> French Riviera. Yeah, shout out to Leah and baby Valor. Valor and victory and Hercules, whatever the next one's going to be. Nice job, Ricky. We are, uh, yeah, another godson. How many do you have now? Um, that's, I think, 10. Where were we? We were in mass, con celebrating, and this kid, like... Oh, is in your? Yeah, it was in your it was our sanctuary, it was our and the room And Olaf and I are sitting on the side, and this kid yeah. is very cute and funny, but he's just right. kind of wandering. Oh, he's Nathan, just, he's wandering. That yeah, was Nathan. He's just all the kids have dropped their dollar and then gone back to their seat, and he's just kind of, he's just kind of taking his time. Yep. I mean, he uh, he was. That he was the saunter. He he's wanted to be the next Greg Peterson. He wanted to bring it he all had, the way up. If you would have put a Danish in his hand, he was Greg Peterson on the Camino sauntering and Goba you did a very nice job it was a nice pastoral touch everybody's like oh it's so cute oh, oh my goodness and then I was <laughs> like I was like get off my sanctuary kid only ten dollars go back to your father and uh, exactly you, no, tell, Ola, Ola, you tell your daddy you tell your daddy if you're gonna step up on this sanctuary you better be holding Andrew Jackson's hand okay 
<laughs> For real. Ola goes, uh, oh, that's actually my godson. It was like, you know, one out of three chances. Was it really? A child, a child in this church is your godson, frankly. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, sorry. Only the lover sings. Anyways, I was at a truck stop in Kansas the other day, and I saw a kid that looked exactly like my son, too. I mean, godson. Moving on. Um, uh, so uh, there's actually a very helpful preface. A lot of times you don't read the preface because it's long, and um, it's usually written by somebody <laughs> else. Prefaces are never long. but Yes, yeah. they are. Haven't you seen prefaces where they're like 30 pages, and you're like, what? It's a preface, for crap's sakes. All right. So uh, anyways, <laughs> this preface is one paragraph long, and it was one of the first prefaces I've ever read where it prefaces the entire book in one paragraph and gives you exactly what the whole book is about. Quote, ready? The intent here is to make one thing clear, colon, that music, the fine arts, poetry, anything that festively raises up human existence and thereby constitutes its true riches, all derive their life from a hidden root, and this root is a contemplation which is turned toward God and the world so as to affirm them. The arts, poetry, all things that raise up human existence and thereby constitute its true richness, all derive their life from contemplation. And if you read every single chapter in this book and then go back and read that paragraph, it actually prefaces incredibly well. Mm. I'm not going to do the whole book. I'm only going to do uh, this one simple chapter, uh, less than five pages, called um, How to See Again. Mm. Learning How to Learning See how Again. To see again. Learning How to See Again. He starts it off. Quote, man's ability to see is in decline. We mean the spiritual capacity to perceive the visible reality as it truly is. To be sure, no human being has ever really seen everything that lies visibly in front of his eyes. The world, including its tangible side, is unfathomable. Going below a certain bottom line quite obliviously, excuse me, going below a certain bottom line quite obviously will endanger the integrity of man as a spiritual being. Sight is, is essential to his understanding of the world around him. And he's saying that although man can see fairly well, I mean, we have bifocals, we have uh, contacts, you had LASIK, um, you know, like man, man can't see. So he goes on. Indeed, for nobody, uh, excuse me, modern man's restlessness and stress quite sufficiently denounced by now or his total absorption and enslavement by practical goals and purposes. Yet one reason must not be overlooked either. The average person of our time loses the ability to see because... There is too much to see. Hmm. One more line, and then we're going to talk about this. There does exist something like visual noise, which just like the acoustical counterpart makes clear perception impossible. One might perhaps presume that TV watchers, tabloid readers, and moviegoers exercise and sharpen their eyes, but the opposite is true. The ancient sages knew exactly what they called the concupiscence of the eyes a destroyer. The restoration of man's inner eyes can hardly be expected in this day and age, unless, first of all, one were willing and determined simply to exclude from one's realm of all life those inane and contrived but titillating illusions incessantly generated by the entertainment industry. This is how many years before YouTube? Mm. Um, let's see here. This is, what, 1960? 1990. Well, so... No, no, no. Oh, 1988. Title of the original German... Ne de Liebende singed, 1988. Oh, really? Schwabenverlag. I, I didn't know he lived that long. I thought he died before. So, that. we're talking about how man is losing the ability to see. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, seeing is essential to his understanding. The seeing, just the fact that he can perceive certain things, is different than beholding. Beholding is what he describes as, you know, like the contemplation. Uh, to be held by uh, something that transfixes you upon its beauty. You can't help but notice it. So there's a lot of ways, I think, in the world right now where we overuse our senses. And we think that by taking in more, we're actually going to be able to understand more or have more data or something like that. I say this to uh, a world where we are flooded with podcasts, and I would say that a lot of people can't hear anymore. Mm. And this is difficult because this keeps us in bourbon. I mean business. I right. mean <laughs> ministry. Right. So, I, I mean, my thought is, what's the proper balance? What's the proper balance, balance between... Um, uh, Allowing yourself freedom and enjoying certain things, at the same time not going back to them so much that you lose the capacity to be able to receive them well. I think of it like if I just eat everything in sight, at some point I lose the taste for everything. Like it's just like everything tastes exactly the same. You can eat every single thing on the Taco Bell menu and still be hungry. Because it's like you weren't even hungry for Taco Bell in the first place. You just needed something to fulfill you. You can listen to a lot of different things, uh, but sometimes the absence of sound is better than anything that you could have put on for yourself. Mm. Um, and that's true with seeing as well. So I was just wondering I was wondering great, what your thoughts great were. Great topic. On. Great topic. Joseph Pieper, first off, is just uh, – he's one of our favorites and uh, – what he did for us in helping us understand um, contemplation and leisure, which are intimately connected, mm -hmm. and the loss of that in modern man. I have a million thoughts going through my mind because I, I'm teaching a course called Theological Anthropology, and the whole first part of the course is really about how modern man has recreated his own self-understanding. So he understands himself differently, but there's the, with the loss of Christianity, Christian unity, spiritual unity in Europe, it ends up collapsing. That's 1917, World War One. Um, and I think that um, Peeper's putting his finger on something here, uh, which is to say that um, we've bracketed and limited man's understanding of who he is, that, and it doesn't permit for contemplation anymore. Right? It's almost like technolo technology and the artificial universe that we're living in becomes so predominant. That, and this is the questions I, I'm talking about with the guys in class of just like, why is it so hard for the postmodern non-N-O-N-E you know, mm -hmm. yep. think of Robert Barron's work with this. Why is it so hard for them to understand God? Well, part of it is because they've lost any sense of the, that they even have a capacity for contemplation, for silence in these things. Yes. I was inspired by Father Nathan uh, a week ago, went, uh, took a desert day, which is a practice that we have in the Companions, though we kind of ebb and flow through it. Um, but we, it was strongly commended to us by Father Goronsky. Yeah. And I, I actually was like, I got to go do one next week because it's been a while. We just go and be in silence for a day. And um, recovering that ability to um, to actually behold something. Yes. Um, I think it was Anaxagoras, the philosopher. This is like 3rd or 4th century B.C. Did he talk about him? Yeah. Why is man on earth to behold? 
Yes. Right? So one of the first pre-Socratic yeah. philosophers uh, to ask the question of what is the purpose of man is this be, to behold, theorain. Yep. It's interesting to think about beholding as a word. We don't even talk like that, really. But this weekend, um, when you read Erasmo Leva Maricacus, uh, who's a great uh, scripture scholar, his his thoughts on the call of the apostles in Matthew, mm-hmm. he talks about how the Greek is really important because Christ, so this is where he sees Peter and Andrew, James and John, yeah. uh, fishermen, right? And we think it's all, we, we think so mechanically that Christ is kind of a CEO and he just kind of goes and he just operates and, you know. Hey, you guys. Yeah, but what Mer- Merikakis is making the point is to say that Christ actually gazes at them. When you read the Greek and when you look closely at the, he's actually beholding them. He's watching them. He's studying them. And it's the goodness that God sees, because God sees goodness, right? Because he is goodness himself. And he sees the goodness of brothers, of brotherhood, of hard work, of just this human endeavor. That's on, on, and that's what moves his heart to call them into the mm. apostolic life. That's a very different approach than kind of just we go to Bible land and it's just like, then this happened, then this happened, then this and happened. And he saw them and he called them. Right. And See, so, I was actually thinking that, that he, he spent time in Capernaum before he ever called them. And we, I had the great gift of being able to go yeah. to Capernaum. And I'm like, nobody is unknown in Capernaum. It's a small town. Like Mount Zion. We're t- yeah, exactly. I know everybody. Everybody's at Crackles. You know everybody. I, uh, truth be told, I didn't go to Crackles this past what? time. No, actually, that's, that's not true. I did go to Crackles. You've changed. Okay. I didn't go to La Gondola. Um, but, uh, you know, I walked right into, um, I walked right into the Royal Internal Buffet. Uh, there's a place called, uh, Royal International Buffet, but for years, the, uh, whatever the part of international burned out. So it literally just says Royal Internal Buffet. (laughs) So I walk in and I see one of my old classmates and I'm like, holy cats, you know? So, you know, everybody, but Jesus, Jesus looks at these guys. And he's like, I, kn- I know these dudes. Yeah. And he, when he calls them, he's not just like walking up and he's just like, hey, dudes, come after me. It's like he's met him, you know? Mm-hmm. But even if he did do that, I think they still would follow him. I'm he looking- looks on them and loves them. Sorry, I'm looking for a quote here. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I would the- just say, I would say that my. Uh, my perception of my sensory abilities are actually deadened because I spend most of my time in front of a screen. Hmm. And I think of people who spend their time in nature. There's a guy, uh, Howdy, up in uh, Craig. Do you remember Howdy? Howdy told us he's going to take care of us when the revolution comes. He said, you boys come up. I got plenty of guns. Yes, but he told us you got to make it here. You got to make it here. You got to make it here. So we got to make it to Craig, Colorado. But no Howdy problem. goes every year to the rendezvous. And at the rendezvous, I mean, you can't bring matches or anything else. You've got to, you know, uh, you know, be able to make fire like with, you know, your bowstring and tinder and blah, blah, blah. And tinder. Tinder. Um, and I just think that Howdy, when he goes out in the world, like he's seeing and perceiving all these other things because he's totally checked out of the technological realm. Mm-hmm. And... I 
spend most of my time in the technological realm. And it's not just that like I won't be able to survive when the zombie apocalypse comes about. It's that I'm actually not being I'm not able to survive well now in relationship because I don't pick up on certain cues. The other day I had a really bad encounter. It didn't go well. And I and part of it was because I didn't read social cues. And I think that I've got to get it all figured out right away. And if I would have just looked at the social cues, I'd have been like, oh, the social cues tell me this, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I just didn't even think about that. I um, I have so many thoughts in my head right now on this topic. It's hard to know kind of what would actually be helpful um, because I've literally been teaching on this topic. Really? For the last two weeks because I think that this anthropology class, it's a very interesting group, third theology guys. And t- like today we read... Um, Erizim Kohak, the embers and the stars. Yes, really? Yep. I was like, we got to read. So we were reading about nature. Uh huh. And I think it, the, what what happened with the loss of metaphysics, and if you're not familiar with that term, just um, that we can know being, right? Mm-hmm. That the world, that human human beings find themselves in re, in a reality that is intelligible and ordered and uh, beautiful, yeah. true, good, and that we were created with a religion. logical logical that, that we're created with a religious sense that is evoked from the transcendentals that which is predicated about all being and uh we conform ourselves to the order and one of the points of this book by this guy who wrote this wonderful book called the embers and the stars um thanks to father nick blaha global's favorite crush and um only crush <laughs> And uh, it's just a little crush. Sorry. Yeah. So um, he, uh, his whole point is that the moral order and the natural order are, are connected, and that human beings, from the medieval understanding of the universe before modernity, it was really about conforming oneself to reality. I mean, Saint Thomas Aquinas talks: what is you know truth or knowledge? It's the it's conformity of the mind to reality. Mm-hmm. Truth exists outside of us. Yeah, realism. But we're so deeply entrenched in in modernity, and now the collapse and the rejection of modernity um, that we we actually find nature, and this is Kohak's whole point, to not be. So you had guys like Rousseau, um, who deified nature, right? So think of like 18th, 19th century. It's like nature is perfect. Yeah. The problem is Christianity and civilization and these things. And then you had the, it's time to conquest, the conquest of nature. So you think of Nietzsche, you think of, and then Heidegger. And then by the time you get to Sartre with the existentialists, it's really like um, nature is inhuman, right? And human beings, Gevorfenheit, you remember that word? Um, No. Thrownness, Heidegger's big word of like, man finds himself thrown into existence. Okay, and then he becomes Dasein by kind mm-hmm. of self-definition and all this thing kind of. It's, it's the total yeah. meaningless universe uh-huh. because what happens if, is if you kill God, like Nietzsche says, if God is dead, then nature is dead. Nature is dead matter. Yeah. It's empty, meaningless, void uh. of content. And we, the only thing we can do is try to fight the absurdity of creation and nature. And that's... Well, that's why Sartre writes a book called Les Nausées, right? It's nauseating to live human existence because humans find themselves in this absurd, meaningless, natural created environment of things and how different that is than this this 
vision that actually through beholding and contemplation, we derive meaning from the reality of things and we conform ourselves to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I one thing that you mentioned in there that I just I didn't want to get into this because I was hoping to do a second podcast. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I don't eat that. I was planning on using it for something else, but fine, we'll I throw ate, it in. I ate a steak on Christmas Eve. It's still a sore subject. <laughs> yes, but, best uh, leftovers ever. Um, and I think we will get into this in a different topic because there's actually another book by Peeper that I paid top dollar for. Um, at uh. What's the name of the bookstore in Wichita that's so awesome? Oh, uh, Eighth, Day, Eighth Day. Eighth Day Books uh, on what is a feast yeah. uh, by Peeper. But one thing that he says is, quote, on this on page 26, there can be no feast without gods. Indeed, that the cultic celebration is the primordial form of any feast. So when you remove gods from nature, mm-hmm. like even just like, like all gods, I mean, you can even be a pagan and believe that there's many different deities, but we've removed all deities, so now nature just becomes this complete vacuous thing that it's like, why do I even participate in this? So then we spend all of our time in front of virtual reality because we believe that nature has nothing to teach us. Yeah. But the 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 other thing that you mentioned related to Thomas is that he said, whatever is known is known first through the senses. So if we if we overutilize our senses, we don't actually get more knowledge. We actually get dumber. We get more ignorant. Think of pornography. What are we looking at in terms of like this image? It's a sexually charged image that is supposed to convey to you an, an, a, a solicitation of desire. They're trying to elicit desire from you. Okay. You keep pressing that button, yep, 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 yep. Eventually, you don't actually get more aroused. What it actually does is it actually kills mm-hmm. libido. It's fascinating. There's 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 books on this that that a lot of things like you know whatever whatever men's issues are being discussed in your local sports radio talk show um, are related to this because men are no longer able to rightfully take delight in the true reception of another, but rather it's like I've killed my desire, I've killed my senses through an overstimulation of its, of its use. Same with food. Like, I no longer, I mean, it's different with food because there's persons involved. Terry Wright told me this. Don't equate sex with food. I'm obese. Sometimes they're the same. You look great in that purple sweater, by the way. Thank you. Purple people eater. Anywho, um, or I, I mean, I would say like with, um, I don't know, like, what are the other senses again? Touch, <laughs> you know, like you spend, you sp- say you spend the entire day in water. Eventually, your senses actually get dulled to the fact that you are floating in a viscous liquid. Like, right. that's crazy. Right. So I think that the, the task is when we go into nature, we have to appropriate it in such a way that has an acknowledgement that our nature is given. Yeah. It's given by another, which means that it has an order that I don't create, I discover which makes it all the more delightful. Yeah. I walked into the Schloss Goebbels tonight and um, 
ran into Olo and I was like, oh, hello, random, but kind of not random because of course you're here right now, you know. Of course. Having breakfast at Jelly tomorrow or whatever. And then, uh, and then I walked into the back room and they were listening to a recording of Father Gronsky, our beloved spiritual father, his 25th anniversary homily. Yeah. Uh, his 21st anniversary mass homily. Um, and it kind of wrenched my heart a bit because I was like, this is a man who knew how to behold. Yeah. And he just lived it and he talked about what he saw. Right. And he did it in the way that was the most compelling and powerful and beautiful I think that I think we've ever experienced because he did it as a father. And he invited his sons into this and I was like, oh my, oh my God, just like listening to him talking and I feel like I was back, I felt like I was back in seminary and it's just, we're so starved for contemplative wisdom figures. Yes. There's so many people who want to be wisdom figures and it's actually about their needs and their egos and... And they're very smart. Yeah. And, and they certainly have wisdom... Things to share. They have sure. things to share, maybe not wisdom but to share. But this was just different because this was a man who had... Um, and it was just... Oh, man, it was unbelievable. One of the lines he always talked about, he liked to quote um, Thomas Merton's line about noise is the great demon of the of the oh, yeah. age, of the modern age. And so it was interesting that Pieper said, uh, talking about visual noise, you know, the sense, overloading the sense perceptions. And we right. feel this, like, watch a couple hours of, I don't know, Friends or whatever, or Seinfeld or something, and it's, yeah. y- you don't feel integrated. You're just kind of like, oh, I just feel like, like I remember every afternoon as a kid, we would watch TV and we would kind of watch yeah. whatever dumb show was on like Full House until five o'clock. Then The Simpsons started. Then we watched Back to Back Simpsons. And yeah. then we'd have to watch some dumb show like Drew Carey for a half hour because then right. Seinfeld was on at 6.30. Exactly. And then the brokering began because usually it was dinner time before hockey practice. And uh, But we were like, no, come on, we got to watch Seinfeld. We've been waiting all afternoon. But you just feel like crap. Right. By then you're just jelly. Oh you were, yeah, it's you were terrible. just tr- you were just trying to check out. Yeah, you know, um, I mean that's part of the reason why people sit in front of uh, YouTube for so long is because they want to not think for a while, and it's mindless. You know, Simpsons was mindless, and uh, there's a way in which going back to the preface, contemplation isn't my activity; it's actually hooking into the activity of God and allowing that to play out in me. It's the highest form of activity in man, but it's nothing that we do. It's something that we participate in. You can't just say, you know what? I'm going to get better in activity. I got my new uh, personal trainer, Fonda. (laughs) Who's Fonda? Fonda. They're trying to set me up with Fonda. Fonda's new today. Who is Fonda? I went to the Y... Uh, Did you get a new hairstylist? No. Oh, okay. Jeez. Callie, she means nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, she no. It was Too so we- it was so weird. Like, um, I went to the Y. I'm I'm doing these you know uh, appointments in regards to like what are your goals for fitness and everything. And I'm like I'm like not be a 350 pound whale by the time that I'm 39. You're not a, you're not a minivan. I'm going to be as big as a minivan <laughs> if they're not freaking careful. So anyway, so I have to have these goals and everything. And they're like, so you ever thought about personal training? And I'm like, you know, I haven't. Um, I, I've i already given, you know, $300 a year, uh, maybe more to this place to keep the lights on without ever coming. So let's just 
get back in the swing of things and everything. And they're like, we think you do really well with Fonda. Fonda. <laughs> and it, she came in and I go, hey, Rhonda. And she goes, it's, <laughs> it's Fonda. Fonda. <laughs> and I was like, this is awkward. So anyways, and then tonight I was with somebody else and they're like, oh my gosh, you would be perfect with Fonda. So we'll see. It was funny. I came over here a couple of days ago. And what day was that? Sunday. Sunday. I was coming from Boulder and I just dropped in and I'm like eating. He's got he's got all this like just munch as my family munch. would say. A lot of munch on the table. So I'm sitting there chomping away. I'm Mindlessly. Like, Three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, where is Goble? He's at the gym. He texts me. He's like, I'm at the gym. I was like, you're lying to me. Where are you? Right. Who are you with? He's at the gym. I'm sitting eating munch in his kitchen. And I was like, and he goes, man. If somebody put put money on this, that right. who's going to be at the gym on a Sunday afternoon? Who's going to be eating munch at my table? Exactly, watching cat videos, dude. Things have changed. It's because oh my gosh! And I was on that freaking uh, stair climber, just trying to burn off some energy. And I was more angry leaving that gym than I was coming there. I don't know what people are talking about. Fonda will help with that. Fonda's going to break me. Anywho. So yeah, I mean, sorry. So back. So to I the, think yeah. I think we gotta you gotta link into contemplation in order to make those activities better. Gronsky could eat like a little bit of granola um, at lunch and participate in the conversation, while the rest of us just kept shoveling food oh, in. Man. You know, um, and I think that his his senses weren't deadened; they were heightened. Yeah, and I would say it's not just because he was ascetical. I think it was because he he longed to be in uh, regular contemplation, yeah, and create the habit of contemplation. And uh, w- the short answer to that lady's question, "Why do we sing everything at mass?" It's actually to facilitate contemplation, and she doesn't believe that. She believes that actually, you know, like we can get through this without doing a whole lot of ritual things and. Now, I would contrast singing, only the lover sings, because the quality and the kind of singing is important. Most people who listen to the podcast whose experience of singing are 70s folk music at Mass, singing to sure. church into being. Yes. I'd like to contrast that with, I'm walking through the seminary, um, and there's four guys in the tower practicing a four-part polyphony piece, Palestrina, I don't know what it was. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. These guys, I mean, it was it was like it was like literally being just just drawn up into heaven all yeah. of a sudden. Just right. listening to them sing this part, they were practicing for something, and I was like, "This is just unbelievable." And the the travesty that is so much of our liturgical music. So, like, I kind of dry heave a little bit when I'm like, "The lover sings." It's like we sang a new church into being again. You know? I know, and it's just like. Right. Well, what are we singing? Right. Like, what? What is the actual? But that's what people do when they go to feasts. They, they sing. sing. They get loud. That's the bargers. You put on the jukebox. Right. Like it's it's fun. Like right. I've been there. I mean, G seven. Just hit G eight. If you like pina coladas. Anyway, no, I know what you're saying. I know. What so you're saying. I would I would agree. But they, they, they only ex- the lover sings well, you know. It's yeah. kind of like what Saint right. Augustine says: the 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 one who p- sings, one who prays, one who sings, prays twice. But the one who sings well prays twice. Right. So, Olo, I, I, do you have any comments on this? You guys sing a lot yeah, in your in the liturgy. For a God-fearing vision. Yeah. No, I, I think there's. 
I don't know if I shared this last time, but shout out to Hope Schneer. She, you know Hope Schneer? Yeah, from Cali. Yeah. I live Wait, in so you're in now. the valley? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I don't know Hope Schneer. Hope Schneer. Hope Schneer. His mom's gonna be mad oh. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it. <laughs> It's so easy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So your son is great. But mo- <laughs> most people know Justin and Hope Schneer. They 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 are an amazing couple. Anyway, they live they they don't live in the valley. They live in in uh, Camarillo. But anyway, the uh, so we I was talking about they came to my church and I was explaining that in in the ancient church people were poor, right? And they they pooled their money they built a beautiful church and they paid a beautiful a cantor to sing beautifully. So where did they get their art? Where did they get their beauty? They didn't have it at home. They didn't have internet. Like they didn't have good art at home. They couldn't afford it. So they all pooled their money and so they could afford a good art in church and good singers in church. So they came to church at sunrise and at sunset every day because that's where they got their good art. That's where they got that's where yeah. they got their beauty. That's where, so nowadays people have better art and music on their phones than they ever do in church. So what attracts people to church isn't that, it's not that desire to find beauty again. So I was talking to Hope and I was sharing this with her and she said, maybe on Fridays, we should not only be fasting from meat, but fasting from beauty. And it was this interesting thing. She said, prepare on Fridays. And she was just thinking, maybe like prepare on Fridays and Saturdays, prepare by actually fasting from sure technology and saying like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna find all the the I can find the most beautiful things in the world in in two seconds on my phone just by googling them and pulling up the image and she said like like what if we fast then we go on Sunday and if you're somewhere where there's beautiful art beautiful singing you're gonna have have a lack that is unfulfilled sure it's like fasting before feasting so you're actually kind of forcing your human person, forcing your body to be looking forward. Cause you walk into my church in LA and it's like, it's beautiful, but it's not as beautiful as what you Google on. You can just Google, but like if you're, if you're, if you're anticipating that in a way that's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to hear beautiful singing. And I'm going to see beautiful art. When I go to the church, there's this, there's a greater desire to go. There's a greater appreciation of what you get when you get there. And there's the reason why this art was created in the beginning to be liturgical. You're going to have that in a way that you have not experienced. You're going to yearn for it more, be fulfilled when it happens. I think that, just to add on to that, I think that's right on. There's something about the fasting. We decided as companions a number of years ago that on Fridays we're going to fast from technology, which sucks because Friday's my day off. So I'm like, all right, looks like I'm not going to listen to Drake today. Shut. Wow. But one of the things I was talking to the guys about in class today was we have to really think about what technology is because Koak's book, Embers and the Stars, he's not like technology's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that we use technology yes. and also the, the different methods of it. And I showed them two things. I don't have my wallet on me, but I held up my wallet and I held up my phone. And I was like, I have no idea who made this. And it means basically nothing to me, the phone. And then I held up my wallet and I was like, Dan Eusterman made this for me. And here's the story behind it. He's befriended a really kind of complicated but beautiful Italian character, this guy who's in his divorce and... Eusterman goes down and talks to him and he taught him how to do leather work and he uses his tools and they sit and they 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 work together on these things and, and he's just learning the the art of and I was like is that technology is that techne in the in ancient form of it yes he's created an artifact called a wallet yes but this is meaningful to me in a way because yeah it's relationship 
centered. And there's something about the way that he's using technology that's actually kind of a leisure and contemplative activity versus the production of this phone, yeah. right? Right. Coronavirus or whatever it's got, you know. Well, because that's what um, actually in Kohak's book, Embers and the Stars, he talks about possessions versus belongings. Right. So there are there are certain things that you're like, you actually care about. Right. And are, are you know, attached to. The problem, and this is the last thing I'll say because I can go on and on about this, but the problem is the reason we eclipsed contemplation in the modern world is because contemplation demands dependence, receptivity. And poverty. And poverty. And poverty. Because yeah. you, have, you have to actually say, I'm going to withhold from right. certain goods. Right. You can't achieve contemplation while you're chewing gum and, uh, you know, talking on the phone. And we don't want that because we want to be masters. We want to be masters of ourselves and of nature. Yep. And we now use technology to control everything and to become gods. I and, want to be able to. I want to be able to turn on whenever I want. Right. Like contemplation, I want to be able to achieve it whenever I want. Similar with pornography, I want to be able to say, "Right, I'm aroused. It's great. Awesome. Feel awesome. Now we're done." And it's like it doesn't work that way. Sorry, can you guys just give a quick definition of contemplation for those who are hearing that this is the solution to the issue? Great question. Uh, he gives a he gives a very excellent one. <sighs> Sorry, I would first say the most that, important. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, the most important element in this teaching declares the ultimate fulfillment, the absolutely meaningful activity. The most perfect expression of being alive, the deepest satisfaction and the fullest achievement of human existence must needs happen in an instant of beholding, namely in the contemplating awareness of the world's ultimate and intrinsic foundations. So you are seeing beyond just what's there to what uh, God is proposing, which can be a particular order that wasn't necessarily apparent previously and now you're captivated because you're like wow this really is held together by one who is all loving all good all knowing so contemplation is a kind of seeing right i was going to say contemplatio is from the latin con and templatio and then i realized i had no idea what that meant it's kind of like <laughs> el nino spanish for the nino um yeah la quinta no um so yeah so Contemplatio, the Latin translation of theorein, right? The Greek. So it's a kind of seeing. It's a way of beholding. It's it's penetrating into reality, but it's it's a receptive mode. This is the key. It's not an activity. Contemplation is not something that we do. It's something that we receive. It's a way of seeing that actually allows reality to impress itself upon us. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way to God, right? No one has ever seen God physically, right? The only son has exegeted him. The The way of seeing God when you read the Gospel of St. John is theorain, it's contemplation. And and that's something that's not something we can do. That's why Gronsky just had this great line in the homily. I mean, it's just beautiful, where he said, quoting Adrian von Speyer, there are no systems in the things of God. He says there's no technology, right, in the things of God. You can't produce this. You can't artificially create this. Yes. It's something that has to be given. And there is a natural contemplation that these guys, uh, these the philosophers are speaking of. I think you can avail yourself to it. Um, sort of the, you know, whatever vision quest that you kind of talked about beforehand. But there, the, what's that? 
Really? The schneers? Oh, sweet. Um, but then uh, I think there's a way in which you can prepare yourself for it. But when it happens, it's totally other. It's an experience that you didn't create for yourself. And you can't just recreate ba- based on like, I'm going to eat certain things or not eat certain things or, you know, read certain things or not read certain things. So I think there is a beauty to that in saying, I'm going to trust the workings of the church, namely liturgy. I'm going to trust the liturgy to avail myself of the perception of God because it's, it's in liturgy that we, we know the church teaches that that's where we experience the divine coming down to earth. That's where heaven touches earth. That's where we experience God. That's in the word of God in the Eucharist. And of course in the gathered community. And there's something about saying if, if there's anywhere where I can expect to experience contemplation, it's with the screaming babies and the smelly homeless people of liturgy in a sense. But, but you're saying this is where, I mean, obviously in private prayer as well, but this, this is where I can say, let me, let me go to liturgy to expect to be a listener and, a, and, a, and an active participation. Of course, I don't want to get into that right now, but you know, have an active participation, but there's also a, here, here's where I'm going to experience to perceive God. I would just say, I, I want to conclude there. We're going to do another podcast on feasting, uh, but uh, Joseph Pieper, Only the Lover Sings, Art and Contemplation, by Ignatius Press. Check it out. Yours tonight. But don't take don't take my word for it. But up um, that's a reading rainbow reference. Oh, really? Yeah, the reading so, rainbow. So, uh, Olo, oh, you'll go, need Olo. to read. You'll need to read this shout out. John's got one first. I got one here. I'd like to first shout out some boys from. Uh, read the whole thing except the last line. I love I love talking to uh, seminarians from all over the country who are talking about companions and fraternity and common life. And I talked to some guys from Illinois today. What? I won't mention their names because I don't know if these things are public, you know. Oh. But podcast listeners who come across the companions, and uh, so guys, just great talking to you today, and thank you for that. The um, uh, I want to give a shout out to Alexander Tilton. Uh, do you know Alexandra? She goes to um, Good Shepherd. Uh, she's a podcast listener. Uh, she got me a Trader Joe's. Her, na- her name is what? Alexandra Tilton. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's or Maybe. Alex. Maybe Alex Tilton. She got you a gift. She got us a gift. Um, I she gave it to me five minutes before I left for Desert Day, so it went with me on Desert Day. It was a Trader Joe's bag full of chocolate covered pretzels, chocolate covered peanut butter filled pretzels, ah. um, chocolate covered peanut, peanut butter filled pretzels pretzel bites bites. What? They're gone. What? Yeah, th- that was Desert. Why Day. did you give them? That was Desert Day. <laughs> That was Desert Day. I owe you. I owe oh, you, man. Oh, my. Anywho, Alexandra. The next one. The next one was uh, just regular Trader Joe's peanut butter filled pretzels. Um, Are they still here? I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Then, uh, for some reason, I think she made a mistake and she had other things in the bag because uh, there was <laughs> coconut, coconut granola bites that were gluten free. Um, yeah, I had some of those. Totally gave those to the Walburgus sisters, and then uh, and then also three things, three sticks of spearmint uh, lip balm, uh, which I still have. She used all on no. his desert day, and I'm like, I'm like, I, I'll give these back to you. But I gave the peanut butter filled pretzel bites to the sisters because I thought that they would enjoy them. The chocolate covered ones were really good, um, and I ate them deliberately because I was like, John has eaten all of these other ones that 
freaking a-hole. You so, literally ate all of them? I ate all of them. There's and then none I, here? No, I gave the rest of the sisters. What? It was the desert day. Oh, my Yeah, it was God. such a middle child moment. It was awesome. I've read this before. You've read it before? That was the book that came six... Yeah, I told you. All right. Bonnie Engstrom, he's looking at your I'm note at that... You, well, I just was struck by this great card, Only Love is Creative by St. Max Michael. Yeah. Okay, Olaf, you ready? Anyways, ready? I cannot believe you. I can't believe it. And you I, just wet at my appetite. <laughs> pretzel bites, because the well dried up, baby. People no, stop no, no, no. sending them to us. We have we have pretzel bites upstairs. All right. Just not chocolate-covered ones. So why am I reading this? Because it's helpful. Okay, gentlemen. Gentlemen. I never read this before. Go ahead. I hope this finds you well. Thanks for everything that you do, and I pray you continue for some time. The bourbon is for you and all, you all, and the horn is for Father John with a small stipulation. The horn belongs to Father John, Father and, no, John. and no other. No other. However, <laughs> if I can, I give authority over the honking of the horn to Father Nathan. If Father John, out of drink or joy honks excessively father nathan can exercise his power to stop the annoyance father nathan please govern charitably charitably please no shout out <laughs> so he got but you a, a horn but a honk would be nice <laughs> thank you again for the work you do and for the example you set chris pickens so he <laughs> he got you a horn what he got you a horn but even better he gave me power over the horn <laughs> Why the hell do I have a horn right now? Because you said that, you know, you and your brother were in Toys R Us. Oh. And, <laughs> and that is amazing. And he wanted to get I'm you a horn. this on my bicycle. You should put it on your bicycle. Wow. And just so you know, if you honk it excessively, I get to take it, which I love. I, that, you just don't even a very you don't even know gift. when. I've been waiting 25 years for this gift. You don't even know when I'm going to say, John, that's enough. You hear me? That's 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 almost enough. Wow, that was loud. Thank you, Chris. That is uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. He also got us a bottle of Weller bourbon that has uh, Southern Illinois uh, corn in it. So I look forward to having it. Excellent. Well, that was a good topic tonight. It's a good topic. He's. Did you enjoyed- feel like that was? Uh, I mean, we didn't get to talk about you know Tolkien's mythology or anything like that. Yeah, but I did get to do my uh, dander intro, which I was really happy about, and I cannot wait to listen to. Rarely does he come out of the gun like that, but that was uh, that was good, folks. This is Catholic stuff you should know. We're currently ranked about seven hundred and forty fifth behind uh, religious um, podcasts such as uh, Oprah and. Uh, uh, Whoever. Mike Schmitz. I didn't say that, but yes, Father Mike Schmitz is still ahead of us. He's a very good man, and uh, he does a great podcast. So I'm not bitter. Uh, I hope Dander gets me in front of the uh, uh, priest's uh, board. And um, yeah, I hope you guys all enjoyed. Have a great night. Laters.